Tonight's reading is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. This is the word of the Lord. Could you uh, put the picture of Bill up there? Um, we've got that. That's our brother. Um, Sandy and I went by last night to check in, and Bill's been over at UT now with an infection for almost two weeks, and uh, they, he normally sits up here if uh, you've got a chance to, to meet him, dear brother, and he uh, got a bone biopsy last week. It came back, and uh, the cancer is back, and uh, essentially the doctors have said that uh, uh, there's nothing more they can do. Um, so... Uh, You know, he's, he's facing the end, and, and I don't think he'd mind me sharing this. We, we, he's transparent. He just said, I've always wondered if I would die alone, and now I'm going to find out. Um, this is one of those challenging deals. Bill uh, has been sick a long time. He doesn't have any money. He'll tell you, he's told you many times, he has autism. It's hard for him to connect with folks. And... Um, he said, I was looking on Facebook and watching everybody live their life and realizing I don't have anybody to live it with. I don't share that with you to make you feel bad, um, but he is part of our body. We don't have a program. Um, and I would just ask you to pray if God puts a bill on your heart. Uh, you could visit him. He's at 1222 over at UT. Uh, hopefully he'll get out. I don't know when he's going to get out. Ginger, do you know? He didn't know last night. Um, but when he gets out, he's going to an apartment and he doesn't have a car, he doesn't have any food. So, again, not trying to put a guilt trip on you. Danny prayed, a need doesn't constitute a call. But if God puts a bill on your heart and you want to walk with him in the last days of his life, uh, I just encourage you to do that. And um, the Spirit will show you where to go. So I wanted to let you know where our brother is right now. Boy, lots of, lots of suffering this year in our little flock. It's been tough. Well, 1 Peter chapter 3 brings up the question of, have you ever paid a price for doing the right thing? Have you ever paid a price for doing the right thing? That's what Peter's readers were facing. They had decided to follow Jesus. 
And in their culture, to follow Jesus meant to uh, begin to experience uh, some persecution, some resistance from their friends and their neighbors who didn't understand. Uh, And so in this little passage, Peter is writing to believers who are starting to pay a price for their faith and trying to comfort them and encourage them a little bit. And, you know, one of the challenges with a book like First Peter is it's so easy for us to just kind of end the sermon right now by saying, well, but we don't suffer like that. They do in China. They do, you know, they do in places like that. We don't suffer like that, so this doesn't apply. Granted, we don't suffer like that. But God's word's for all of us, right? It's, it's not just for... Some Christians. And it, let's, let's just acknowledge, by the way, you know, I don't think it's ever helpful when we as Christians relativize our pain. That, that you can always find somebody in India who's worse off than you. Okay, let's just say it, right? There's already somebody who's got a worse life than you do, all right? Your suffering still matters. You know, I, I think of a, a friend who loved a man, wanted to marry him. The man had some things in his life he wouldn't turn from, and she broke it off. And so she's wanted to be married her whole life and she's not. I'd call that pain. I'd call her loneliness suffering. Uh, I was talking with a young friend who um, worked at a, at a hotel. She was starting her career out and very ambitious and the hotel manager told everybody to uh, take the information that people wrote down when they registered and put it into their rewards program without the people knowing it because that would boost the hotel's sales. And uh, my friend said, you know, I think that's unethical and uh, I won't do that. She's not at the hotel anymore. Sometimes... You pay a price to do the right thing. You might be the lone board member uh, in an organization and you stand up and you say one night, you know, I just don't think what we're trying to do here is the right thing. And instead of everybody rallying to your defense, um, you're quietly shown the door. Or you might be the only one in your family that finally addresses your father's alcoholism. And rather than anything changes, the family system closes ranks and you become the scapegoat. We could go on and on, but, but I, I think you get the idea. This Again, we're not in China, I know. We're not getting shot for this, I know. But still, there, there's a price to pay to truly follow Christ. And it can even be as simple as this, that you're deeply immersed in Scripture, you have been in your whole life, Maybe you're looking at an issue that you thought one way about. You study, study, study. You pray, you pray, you pray. And you start to see it differently. You go back to maybe some of your friends and family. You say, you know, I'm starting to see this differently. What do you think? And you're hoping that there'll be a, a warm conversation about it. And they might show you where you're wrong. You might engage. You might grow. And instead, you're relationally cut off um, because of what you believe. Following Jesus is it's not easy, even in our culture. There are times when there's a price to pay. And Peter talks to us about how to respond when that happens. And he begins by just reaffirming the basic truth that I guess we all know. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? In other words, here's how life normally works. And this is what he's been talking about all the way back to chapter 2, verse 11. 
Look, if you're a good citizen, if you work hard at your job, you're good in your family life, most of the time, things are going to be okay with you. Until they're not. Jesus also teaches us that sometimes when we do the right thing, we suffer for it. Matter of fact, I think Peter has in mind Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 from the Sermon on the Mount where the Lord said, and Peter probably heard him say it, Blessed, he probably didn't say it like that. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So he says, you know, when you experience resistance for doing the right thing, God will bless you. And I think he means that deep joy that we know, that sense of intimacy with Christ that we know when we follow him, no matter what the cost. That sense of experiential love and fellowship with Christ. That's what blessing is. And so he says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as Holy. He says, don't be afraid. You know, I think of a friend I know uh, who was in an organization that he loved. He'd been there a long time. The organization started to shift. He felt like the values were shifting. The product that they were selling, he started to question its merit. Um, he began to kind of feel at odds with the other people in the company. And he began to wonder if it was time to go. But he was paid well. And he had bills. And so following his conviction that maybe this organization does my soul harm and maybe I should leave meant giving up his income. He was afraid. He was wrestling with that. So what do you do? Peter says, regard Christ the Lord as holy in our hearts, what, what, what does that mean? I, I think it means to enthrone Christ as Lord of our hearts. Uh, and it's, the word Lord is so important here. Come back to the basics of what it means to follow Christ. He is Lord. I will follow. He is Lord. I will follow. I will pay this price. I will do what God asked me to do because he is Lord and I will follow. And that's a hard prayer to pray. I think it's what Paul meant when he writes from the Philippians from a Roman prison, and he says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing greatness of loving Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul's saying, you know, I'm, I'm okay with dying here because I've made Christ my Lord. This is what I've decided to do. I am going to follow him 
no matter what it costs me. I'm going to have the conversations I need to have, no matter what it costs me. I'm going to go the places in my career I need to go, no matter what it costs me. I'm going to turn down opportunities that I could really profit from, no matter what it costs me, because he's my Lord. Those are hard words, but I think that's what it means to follow Christ. Then Peter says that we should always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the hope that is within you. And we talked about this just briefly the other day, but it's such a beautiful witness, a beautiful picture of witnessing. Is that people are watching, they're watching that you are being pressured or hurt or slandered or gossiped about or rejected or pushed away because of some of your choices, because of your actions as you try to follow Christ. They're watching you. They see that you're different, and part of them is angry with you. Part of them despises you. Part of them is threatened by you. And part of them is curious. Because there's something about you that's different in the way that you're handling it. You seem to have some kind of a hope that others don't have. That may be the most powerful witness of the gospel in a culture in chaos is our hope. This summer, my my friend Daryl Arnold at OBC, Overcoming Believers Church, called and he said, uh, you know, we started this prayer call when we began the church. And the prayer call, every Monday morning from 7 to 7.30, Daryl leads a devotion and a little little, uh, prayer time. And their people can call in uh, during that time. It's kind of how they stay together and start the day together. And uh, he's been doing it for about 14 years. And, and he said, you know, uh, I, I, I need a little help. And I wonder if you'd take Monday. And I said, wow, that's a, that's a real honor. And so uh, I've been thinking and praying about that. And we're going to start that here in a week or so. And I'll call in on Friday night and kind of tape it. And then we'll... we'll uh, Uh, people will call in on Monday. And it's been interesting to be invited into his community as a teacher on a regular basis because it's really made me wonder, will I help or hurt? (laughs) And one of the things that that I've thought about as I've listened to Daryl's sermons and continue to walk with him and just continue to feel drawn with him is, Daryl has paid a price for his faith. And the people in that church have paid a price for following Christ. But he just has so much hope. Whenever you hear him preach, I mean, I always come away with hope. And really, if there's anything you should get out of a service like this, you should come away feeling hope. And, And you know that one of the things I, as your pastor, struggle with is hope. Sometimes when I look around me at what's going on in the world, I despair and I lose hope. So one of the reasons right now, most of the theologians that I read are black theologians. Most of the churches I go to are black churches. There's something about hope in the African-American church that is incredibly powerful to me right now at this point in my life. And I was thinking, well, why is that? Why is that? And I don't know, but here, here's a little 
little uh, shot. Um, I think that I believed from a very early time in my life two things. One, life's fair. And two, I can do whatever I want. And I don't know about you, um, but I've discovered life ain't fair. Can't do whatever I want. And I think this, this idea that life should be fair, right? It, it just explodes everywhere. And it's just so hard. I don't know, but at least in me, it's just hardwired into my soul. Life should be fair. If you do the right thing, it should pay off. You know, some of you were here early on in this lovely family, John and Sharon McRae, uh, were here in the early days, and, and um, she uh, came down with cancer about six months ago, and so they aggressively attacked it. She went through six months or six weeks of chemo, six weeks of radiation, and they were getting ready to, you know, kind of find out where she was, and they were, she and her husband were planning on moving to Texas to be with their grandchildren, and they were making plans for their last days, and uh, three days after her last treatment, she, she dies. Steve Loy, one of our members, is a good friend of them. We were talking about this, and uh, he was with them a lot during this time, and he said, you know, there's Two things I've learned in my 60 years as a Christian. Uh, life isn't fair, and God's still good. Life isn't fair, and God's still good. I think one of the reasons I struggle with hope sometimes, I, I do have a messed up temperament and a, uh, a deep sin problem, but other than that... Um, <laughs> I have a, the, the Eeyore gene somewhere in my uh, background. But is I, I really believed that life was fair and that I could do whatever I want if I worked hard at it enough. Daryl never did. Daryl grew up in the projects in Chattanooga. He never, he never bought that. So I think my hope got kind of goofed up along the way, a little bit perverted around the lines of hope means that I can fix anything with a little prayer pixie dust and a lot of hard work and things will always work out. We can, we can do this. And I think Daryl's hope was more God's with us in this struggle. And what did Dr. King say? That the arc of the moral universe is long, but it's bent towards justice. That sounds like real hope. Not if I go to another seminar on how to grow my church, we can get more numbers. That was kind of my hope. So I fixed that now, and I'm a very hopeful person. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am working on it. There was a guy that sat here for years, named Byron. Byron, uh, my goodness, I miss him so much, and his wife. Linda, but he had a really good job, worked really hard at it, maybe worked too hard at it, worked 70 hours a week at it, and he lost it, and he, uh, he didn't, they weren't particularly nice to him. I don't know all the details, but they weren't very nice. Byron never complained, ever. He was gracious, he was respectful, he was out of work for like almost a year. And that man had hope. 
That man had hope. And I can't imagine a more attractive witness for the gospel than Byron during that, during that season. Well, then Peter wraps up. He says, you do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ might be put to shame, for it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. When you pay a price for doing the right thing and others judge you or resist you or gossip about you, you respond with gentleness and respect. And that's a way of making the critic look foolish. So you're paying a price tonight for doing the right thing. I know, we're not in China. But is there a part of your life tonight that is just kind of aching because you've decided to follow Jesus? Remember that he promises to bless you. When you you stay faithful to that marriage because it's the right thing, when you love that parent because it's the right thing, when you stand up for justice because it's the right thing, remember that he blesses you. Don't be overcome by fear. Instead, enthrone Christ as the Lord of your heart. And when you do, you can trust him as you continue to do the right thing. Let's pray.